Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Here we go. Roll for ignition. Alright guys, welcome back to Starlight. Uh, we are super excited to have you all here, and this time we're bringing you something extra special. A few episodes ago, you'll remember that we released Inter Jorstack, the story of the dragonborn dark elf. And now, his story has finally collided with the other members of Squad Luma. And today, we are going to jump in and learn about that, but first... This episode is brought to you by Loki Battle Mats and the Heroes Journal. Per usual, I'm Isaac Yorks, your GM and friendly neighborhood athlete, and I'm going to pop on over to my left. Um, I'm Courtney Yorks, and I play Ray Byrne. I'm Nathan Coons, and I play Alice. And we have with us our guest. I am Jordan Mann, and I play Jorstack, which we decided earlier today is spelled, I believe, capital J-O-R, uh, I think, slash S-T-A-K. Wait, no, I missed <laughs> the dash and the right. slash. <laughs> I, I thought you were just pronouncing it for me. The dash and oh, the no, slash no, are I'm, actually in there? It's okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's why I made it up. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like a robot. Yeah, I'm like, kind of like, yeah, in, my, in my world, like where I'm from, we kind of like spell things a little bit funny, you know, and so. I love it. I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to add in some random capital letters and, and, uh, and some hyphens and, and slashes, you know, let's, let's mix it up here. I feel like I need to pronounce it by saying Joe or stack. <laughs> very, very like German attack on yes. them. Stuck. Yes. But <laughs> every English teacher's nightmare. Um, but again, guys, Jordan is also a fellow track and field athlete. We talked about this before, but he is a 3,000 meter steeplechase aficionado. And we are just excited to be marrying the two of the nerd world and the athletic world. And yeah. Why don't we go ahead and jump into the today's episode? Accessing. Overcoming the threat of the Windwalkers, Ray and Atlas force Ostrad to pay them more in order to check the interiors of the safe house, Station Zula. Ostrad believes that Fable Gloom could very well be within, and indeed, someone who does not belong is. Behind the shielding of a glass wall is a dark elf that appears to have mutated into something 
somewhat reminiscent of a dragonborn. Memories retrieved. Then, first, before we get into this game, we're going to start uh, a point of inspiration. And I am going to be a little biased in this. And it's kind of not fair, because you guys didn't get a chance to play with him. But Jordan was a pretty good sport about everything. And I think uh, I think he might need this. So my vote is for Jordan to get a point of inspiration. Jordan, what we do is we vote on inspiration. Or sometimes we have fans vote for inspiration for us. You basically, you can be selfish and vote for yourself if you want. Or vote for anyone, including me. A person who gets inspiration can spend it to re-roll any roll. So you're my vote. Uh, what about you, Courtney? Um, well, I went through all my inspiration last time. But I don't think it's fair to vote for myself. And I'm pretty excited to have Jordan on. So I'll vote for you, Jordan. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I guess I'll vote for Courtney because she's a recent mom. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, pretty. Not that you being a dad is not inspiring, Isaac. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's a different nine months. <laughs> it's Yes, it's a different ball game. Thank so. you. <laughs> well, I usually vote for Isaac, but because we have a new guest here, then I'll, I'll honestly vote for Jordan. So with that, Jordan... Wait, can I ask, if Nathan would have voted for me, would we both have gotten an inspiration? Nah, you guys would have rolled for it. Ugh. Would have been more right. drama. <laughs> but Jordan, you have the inspiration, so you can use that at any time you want. You can also let another player use it if they are in uh, a bad sort of way. With that, we pick up from Atlas and Ray's point of view. And that is that they have just, with the help of Ostrad, opened up the safe house. You see this mess around you. Specifically, a table that is made of stainless steel that's been just overthrown and sundered. Everything thrown off of it. And there's the sparking remains of a bot that must have at least at one time stood almost five to six feet in height now destroyed and scattered apart. What little bits remain sparking with electricity, acrid fumes running up. And again, there are all of the machinery on the sides. There is uh, test samples that roll around. There is a archaic fireplace that stands to the north, but nothing catches your eyes more than the figure all the way to the eastern side behind a thick, glass wall that it would appear that the drones would come up and they would from that side be decontaminated and drop off their samples but it's not a drone that stands there again it is this figure with his arm through the the port for dropping off samples and with that Jorstak would you please give us a short recap for our players what you look like when they see you alright I'm a half Silver dragon, dark elf. I've got dark black skin all over my body, covered in kind of like leather coating, like kind of like kind of like a rogue, you know what I'm saying? Like got got pads, pads, pouches, and and leather straps all over my body for fighting, and of course my trusty sniper rifle, uh, which I normally keep on my back, um, just ready to ready to go. I've got long black ears, purple eyes that look like. Uh, man, what's the purple one? It's not emeralds. That's green, but, uh, you know. 
amethyst or uh, sure amethyst works yeah purple rubies basically uh that look look <laughs> look like the colors of the you know color what you'd imagine like a purple night sky to look like back in my my homeland that definitely had some kind of crazy sky that i wrote and of course uh my white dreads tied back into a ponytail behind my head you know for functionality as we get into these fights your eyes these deep purple ruby eyes they kind of squint as they look across the way you know it's been about 15 minutes that you've been here trapped like this trying to figure out what to do next jorstak and suddenly the answer might have just appeared before you but it's to be seen if it's friend or foe you see a cabal of six dwarves of various sizes and shapes and hairstyles but all the dwarves are hiding behind two figures the dwarves look to them for guidance starting with ray as jorstak looks at you what does he see you see a four foot eight very slender like 98 pounds young synth kind of, she looks kind of banged and banged up and bruised a little she oh gosh there, there's one blue eye and one brown eye yes sorry one blue eye one brown eye um and just looks a little disheveled like she's trying but not really kind of feel and then atlas as his gaze shifts to this big burly fighter of some sort what does he see when he looks at you atlas's parents he has like silver gray shorter length hair part of the middle it's like slightly wavier like that messy type of look he has ice blue eyes He's approximately 6'5 in height. Kind of like Isaac said, he's large, muscular. Oh, he wears a dark navy blue length coat, kind of with the fur along the edges. Kind of like that pirate style type of way. Just tactical, like dark color, tactical pants, uh, black combat boots. He's not wearing a shirt, so you just, you're just wearing the jacket. The thing that stands out, I think, the most, though, is just the... Like, around his body, like his face, too, he has these lines... They kind of go down, and they have this kind of icy blue, it's like energy kind of coursing through. And as you look at them, and as you guys look back at Jorstak, you come to an immediate understanding as all of you three being survivors of various battles and all other sorts of tumultuous events, you all recognize that you all three have been through something in the recent past few moments. And with that, there is a dwarf that steps forward, Ostrad, who grabs a hold of Atlas's, the hem of Atlas's jacket that runs almost down past his knees. He's shaking very tentatively, very nervously, looks at you, Jorstak, and asks, F-F-F-Fablegloom? I look at the dwarf and I say, What the heck is Fablegloom? That's him, Ostrad. Ostrad, that's Fable Gloom. What are you gonna do about it? Roll a persuasion roll, Ray. Or a deception roll. Ah, uh, that's a six. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it is, he's stuck behind the glass. <laughs> then that's when he almost, he looks around again and then he has a different realization. He looks at both you, Atlas, and Rain. He goes, "There were at least, there were there were at least eight others here. 
They should be out in the front. And his eyes turn back to you, Jorstak. And he goes, You may not be Fablegloom, but... Where are the others? What have you done with them? He probably is Fablegloom. And he probably killed them all. You, 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 Ray, are you trying to tell, tell them that I am Fablegloom and that I killed these people right now? And I wink at you? <laughs> I, this is very this is very rude uh, for someone who's just introducing themselves to, to me and Jorstak. Um, I am not Fablegloom. That's ridiculous. I don't know who Fablegloom is. Uh, and I don't want... And, and I will not have my name disparaged. I am Jorstak. And you will not suggest that I have done any of these horrible things. Maybe his middle name is Fable Gloom. My middle name is not Fable Gloom. <laughs> <laughs> the dwarves all start to confer amongst themselves. Ostrad turns in, begins talking with Pickle, begins talking with Steve, Tristbeard, and they all finally come to a conclusion. Pickle steps forward and he goes, Well, I, th- I think that the best course of action is to send some noxious gas into that chamber and therefore eliminate the possible threat. We kill him before he even has the chance, and we go check on our others. Agreed. What could, what could I do to prove to you that I am not Fablegloom? You're out of luck, buddy, because nobody knows what Fablegloom looks like. There's nothing <laughs> I could do to prove to you that I'm not Fablegloom. Absolutely not. And you see Ray I... with her arms crossed, like, smiling in this creepy, like, oh. twisted smile. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, play, I don't play these games. I, I can... Ray's actually All gonna right. sh- try to shoot the window glass and just break the glass so you can get through. I'm gonna point my sniper rifle at Ray and say, okay. Ray, I am not Fablegloom. Now, please, if you would like, uh, I invite you to reconsider suggesting to these dwarves that I am this Fablegloom person I've never heard of. Um, I'll reconsider, and I'm going to really fast try to shoot at the glass. It leaves a little bit of a mark, but the glass is reinforced to the point where it does not break through. It just... The bullets just kind of like go flying off and just ching ching. Hmm. And at that point, Ostrad steps up and he's, okay, okay, we're gonna stop. <laughs> no reason to hurt someone who's not Fable Gloom, but that doesn't. He turns to you, Jorstak, but that doesn't answer the question of what are you doing here in my safe house, in our safe house, and where are the others? I was trying. To find out what was going on. There were all these crazy little scientific contraptions flying around. I tried to see what was up with them. I fell off. Then I fell again. Trying to get try trying to get I found myself here completely by accident. I don't know where I am. If you tell me something else about the situation, I can help. But right now I am lost. I don't I'm lost. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm afraid the lights just went out and now people are telling me I'm this Fable Gloom guy and trying to kill me. <laughs> Go very ahead. rude. Go ahead and make a deception roll. Your plus is plus three. Nineteen. Ostrad shakes his head. He goes, hmm, hmm I really want to believe that. <laughs> I really do. But I don't think you just accidentally ended up here. No, 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 sir. 
No. But I do have a good feeling about people. And I don't think you are Fable Glue. If you promise to lay down the sniper rifle, I will open the door to the decontamination unit you're in. <laughs> you act otherwise, and the big fella here and the crazy little one, they'll take your head right off. You come out and we we talk like friends. <laughs> Dill? Before you let him out. Nah. What no, are you? The rifle stays. The rifle stays. This 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 lady just tried to suggest that you should kill me. The rifle stays. Just a quick question. What are you doing on such a remote scientific outpost? This isn't a place that you accidentally end up at. Ostrad, do you see the hesitancy here? I bet he's trying to make up another story. I think he's trying to figure out if he's going to keep his gun or not since someone had to threaten him. We'll see. Which was very, which was very rude of you, by the way. Uh, well, manners aren't I my forte. As it were, I was told that there was a guild operating on this planet... Uh, that was involved with the, the disappearance of my uncle. Who's your uncle? Someone who was very important to me. You don't need to know about who my uncle was, but he was fighting for rights for people on my planet. People like me. He was, a, he, he was close to me. He was an inspiration to me. It's my belief that they, that they forced him to leave. Pretend they maybe even killed him. And I'm here to find out who killed my uncle? Can I roll an insight? Yes. She's going to roll an insight to see if she can get an idea if you're lying. So you're going to roll a deception roll with uh, plus three. 14 plus six, 20. Uh, that was a four. Is Jorstak, is he being truthful here? He is being truthful here. Ostrad, you still don't know his middle name. I don't know his <laughs> middle name, but I've heard enough. The dwarves have been conferring again this whole time while you two have been going back at it, and they, they, he goes, We've decided we're going to let him out. Fair's fair. You have your weapons. He has his. If you want to have an all-out brawl, it can be between you three. But for right now, we are going to have you guys talk to him. I'm going to send Steve ahead, and he's going to see what has become of our companions. They should have known that we unlocked the door. <laughs> And that glass door slides open with a hiss and allows you to enter into the main part of the of the room. You see this other dwarf, this one that he referred to as Steve Tristbeard, a, a dwarf of pretty unremarkable features other than a finely braided center mermaid tail that runs down from the top from the bottom lip down to like his belly button. He heads over to the fireplace. And when he gets to the fireplace, he kind of gets down on his knees, pushes back a false paneling that opens up into a room back behind this, and kind of crawls through, and you can hear him calling to the others. Ray's going to look over at Alice. 
and say, looks like you guys haven't handled in here. I'm going to go do surveillance outside. Um, and she walks out. I want to say thank you for letting me in. I really, I really appreciate it. I'm just trying to do good out here, man. I'm trying to do good. The dwarf Orstrad kind of shakes his head, kind of playing with like some sprouts of hair. And the one that was named Pickle, who is actually the color of a pickle, he goes, I don't know if I believe that. You're necessarily trying to do good, but um, you know, there's nothing better than manners at the table. And uh, based off of what you said before, we are ex-guild, but I I think that you don't quite have it. You might be confused. Nobody here is a murderer. No one at all. So I I think that you're a little bit lost in looking for your uncle here. What what what's in all these? You know, you have a lot of scientific experiments going on, and I want to know what's going on here. You know, what what are these chemicals that are being transported in these little flying things outside, you know, flying around? What are these chemicals going in the lift from that lower spaceship up into this building? I want to know what what this lab is about. What's this research going on? What what, what are we doing here? Ostrad, he looks like he's about to, to answer your question, but the moment you say that lower spaceship, his eyebrow raises, and he says, lower spaceship? <laughs> You're mistaken, my friend. <laughs> there is no lower spaceship. And you see a genuine look of confusion. You see, you see as I was trying to find my way in here, I was riding on these transportation things in which your your scientific, your science tubes, your test tubes were floating around outside and flying around. And I actually was almost cut in half by these teeth that were closing in on each other in a, in a transportation tube where, where there was a lower part and it was feeding up into I believe your guild building. So what what was that then where I almost was cut in half? Well, the, uh, my <laughs> my good man, that's just that's where the iBots come up and down through the tunnel, but I I implore you that there is not a spaceship. There should not be one down there. I think we should go check that out then because I'm I'm telling you the truth right now. I, let's 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 go see what's go let's go let's go check out if there is a spaceship down there. The dwarves look at each other. They look at Atlas. Ostrad goes, Atlas, do you... You think that's a good idea? <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean... I'm not lying. There should not be a spaceship. I mean, you're the one paying us, so... It's your decision. We'll have a look. Just show us what you've seen. Along the way, as you start to show them outside, back around the building, and you peer over the edge, there is like small talk. You guys peer over the edge of this platform, and indeed, you see this cargo-sized starship with a, a tube that feeds up through into a separate entrance 
of the safe house. Ostrad pales as he says, Atlas, <laughs> that's none of my ships. That doesn't belong to any of the dwarves that were staying here with us. Does it look like a? Does it look like a night? Like a? What does the ship look like? Does it look real like tech, teched out a dragon? Is it? Yeah, it's a normal starship. It is cargo size, so a bit bigger than a compact fighter, like the ones you saw out front that were Jor stacks. But this is made of darkened metal. It has an angular feature. And it almost reminds you, in a way, if something that was engineered could, of a hawk that's ready to dive down from the skies upon its prey. Alice will look over to Ostrad and do you have access to any cameras? Do you guys have a security system here? I mean, obviously, the, uh, I don't even know what to call this guy, but whatever he is, is the, do you guys have access to anything to see the rest of the safe house? Uh, y- y- yes, right, yeah, we we should have looked at that first thing first. And, uh, you hear him and a few others go with him as they run off to go look at the uh, security cameras. And really quickly he said, he said, and did, and was I lying? I was telling the truth, <laughs> and I want everyone to really recognize. Thank you, Joystack, for telling the truth. Uh, let's, let's make sure we recognize I am not a liar, and I saw that ship. There is a small... As he runs around the corner. time passes by before one of the dwarves come back and they guide you back into the safe house, both of you. And Jorstak, you see that Ostrad is there. Atlas, you also see this. He has, Ostrad has his data pad attached into a a center link and it is now running footage in 3D motion backwards. Now, of course, you see everything with Jorstak from him landing, from him sneaking around, from him trying to get into the building multiple times and failing in almost every way. I really did. (laughs) You also see that there are indeed like six, seven other dwarves who were hanging out there, running the experiments. You can now see from the security footage other elements of the safe house that were hidden that uh, Steve is back in. And for you scroll back through like the past week and everything seems completely fine there is like a single room however further back in the safe house where all there is is footage of the door to this room there is no footage of this room and it is on the fifth day of this week that you see all of the dwarves at various points go into that room and not a single one leaves Ostrad looks back at you, and then he goes, and then (laughs) this shows up, and you see the same starship from before, a day after the dwarves all go into that room and never come out, 
and this is a day after that and a day before Jorstack arrives, this ship comes in, docks under the spa- under the safe house, and uses this secret entrance that no one should have known about that entrance. Save us. And yet that ship went straight there, and I don't know whose it is. And it still is there. Ostrad then turns to you, Jorstak, and he goes, You you were here, Jorstak. Was there something, someone, did you hear anything in your entire time being here? I... Just the robot that was in this room. There was a robot in this room, in in the room that you found me in, uh, that I destroyed. But other than that, there was nothing. But maybe we should go jump down and check out that ship. Ostrad looks at you, Atlas, and he goes, (laughs) It could be Fablegloom, and the deal's the deal. You know you want the payment. (laughs) You might want to do that. He goes, I'm going to go find Steve. Steve! Steve, get out here! Get your ass out here, Steve! I, uh, grab Ostrad by his collar so he can't, like, run <laughs> off. Uh, uh, you want me to go with you? Well, yeah, we don't know any... I don't know where to go in this large area, and also... Can you tell me what was the room that the doors all went into? What's inside of there? Uh, it's just... It's a storehouse room. <laughs> so we, uh, keep some rice there. There's, uh... We also keep some of the rare metals and the money and... Can I do insight to see if he's telling the truth? Yes. That's in that one plus two, so that's... uh. He's, ha- he's hard to read. Mostly because he seems really scared. Mm. Well, I'll just drag him along and just... You're the guide, so show me where to go. As you're dragging him along, he tells the other dwarves to go find Steve. And make sure he's okay. Get, he says it's been too long since the, he, I, I've heard from him. And you guys make your way to the back. There along the back of the platform, Ostrad reaches down and he finds like this paneling, lifts it up, presses a few buttons that were hidden in it, and this ladder starts to descend that allows you to climb most of the way down. You guys jump to the top of it. Kunk, kunk. And you guys start making your way to the top porthole. This top porthole of this starship. And you see that there is a data pad that seals it from being opened. Ostrad looks at both of you and he goes, Not my ship. I don't actually have the code to this one. Hmm. You can make an effort to hack it, but first I want to know what the heck is going on here. What are you doing? <sighs> uh, who who are you, Atlas? I, I hear them talking about money to you and if you want your money, and I need to know what your relationship is and what you're doing here and what this whole crazy science experiment is with you do. I, I need more information before I can t- before I make an effort to try and help you. So um I, yeah, Alice will clap both right on the back. Like, so this little guy here hired myself and Ray to escort him to the safe house because he said that someone's chasing him or a bounty hunter is after him. And the Fable Gloom is this supposed bounty hunter. Myself, though, I I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I'm a part of the Kashin family. 
I'm a part of the Acers. And this, I'm just a mercenary, basically for hire in this situation. I have no personal matters in this. Unless the dwarf here wants to give me his eyes. I, I don't want to give you my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, yeah, I would say that most of my... Just think of it as a... I'm basically just a mercenary in a sense. Dwarf. I forget your name. Uh, Ostrad. Tell me... <laughs> Ostrad. Uh, can you tell me more about what you all are doing here before I make an effort to try and help you all? Uh, uh, well, my friend Atlas here, he's the Duke of the Underworld, actually. You should know that. <laughs> he's not lying. I, uh... For reasons of our own, we've decided to leave the guild. We don't agree with our brethren and our sister on the the actions that they've taken in shaping the universe and intergalactic travel, and with that, we've decided to break and run. But uh, the guild is a jealous group, and I am certain that they have put a bounty hunter on us to bring us back and to have us executed. So we were to come here and hide. And I'm willing to pay you good money if you keep your mouth shut. Even better money if you also help us deal with the problem. I'm not in it for the money. But I want to know, what was it the guild was doing that you didn't agree with? Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. 23, there we go. Ostrad puffs up and you get the feeling that this is what he does when he's about to bullshit and then the sincerity of your words kind of hit him as he can tell that you really are looking for answers of your own and he goes I'm tired of lying first things first I will answer your questions this question but you need to promise me, like the answer or not, I'm telling the truth, and you will then help my friends and make sure that they're safe. Yeah, it's important. Every dwarf who is born into the guild and raised to take part has a truth bomb put into their, their neuralink. I don't know what will trigger the truth bomb, but any guild secrets that they don't want shared will scramble my brain and kill me in seconds. I'm tired of lying, and... So I'll tell you. But first, do you promise to help the others, even if I die? Must hear what you have to say first. <sighs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh. Alice is gonna back up a little bit. I'll promise to make a fair decision but I need to hear what you have to say before I make any other promises. That's all I ask. <laughs> the guild started off as a, a, a good institution, <laughs> and in many ways it still is. We navigate hundreds of thousands of travelers, making sure that they don't fly into black holes, they don't collide with any other things, and with that comes some level of prescience, being able to see the future. And then that was fine and good, 
that put a lot of money in our powers, just like the old... Like the old prophecy said. And our thanes became strong, rich, beyond imagination. And then we discovered something more as we started looking into developing our own spacecraft in fuel. Dragons. They are... <laughs> they... are stolen. We landed on a planet rich with dragonborn. I can see that you carry their heritage, and I am truly sorry for what we've done to your kind. But as before I was born, this is just something we did. It's not something I knew against. But we would steal their eggs. Their eggs that, that were the center of their religion, the center of their deities. These eggs, according to their tradition, carried the life of dragons. The very thing we named our ships after. <laughs> it is said in Dragonborn legend that... When the time comes, as these eggs themselves haven't hatched for a millennia into any dragon kind, when the universe needed them, that need for good or evil would hatch either Bahamut, the Redeemer, or Tiamat, the one who would destroy all, all things and snuff out life and restart the universe anew. Well, we found something different with those eggs in our experiments. We found that we could hatch them. And that by using what is known as Ayun stones, inherent to various different planets, but mostly those out in asteroids and clusters like that, we could actually shape them. We could force them to grow to our will. And so the dragons you see of these days, they are... They are able to defy gravity, and we don't know how. It is an inherent ability of dragons themselves. When you connect to one, you are connecting with its consciousness and forcing it to move. But it is as if we have taken a, a child and completely retarded it mentally and made it into our slaves. It's evil, and I was made to see the error of my ways by... And as he says that, his eyes suddenly go, like, a faded white. And then he falls weak, tries to say something, but his tongue can't get the words out. Knees shake, he falls to the ground, and there's just a thin line of blood that runs out of his right nostril as he lies dead. And the wind whips around you as just you, Atlas, and Jorstak are left, standing there. Bang. How do you know how to react? <laughs> the little dwarf's dead now. And his eyes are useless. <laughs> I, like, take a deep breath, kind of, you know, put my hand on my head, and I'm like, dang. Take a second to pause, like, think over some stuff. I look over at Atlas, and I'm like, what about you? You work for guys like this? 
and he said you were king of the underworld or something like that. It seems like a no, notable omission from the bio you gave me earlier. So, to explain the title of Positive Duke of the Underworld, it was kind of just a joke initially for me, for myself, but the, the underworld, in a sense, was more just an underground fight club, in a sense. And then, what I think about this whole situation is I need to know more about the guild, in a sense, too, because it sounds like the experiments they're doing may or may not relate to something that I have a personal grudge against. And to answer the question also of the Kashin themselves, I'm going to say no. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people question the Acers on what they do or their business. And there might be certain sects of the family that are a little bit more shady. The Kashin are known for, or we're known for, honor. And yes, a lot of us are mercenaries in a sense, but we wouldn't be experimenting on children to gain in power, at least with the Kashin. You would only work for someone who's experimenting on children <laughs> to gain in power. To be honest with you, this is the first time I'm even hearing, because he refused to answer me in the beginning on what the guild was doing. And as you can see, I understand why he refused answering my questions. Uh, yeah, you decided to work for him anyway. In our business, it's kind of a escort and basically either a guard or a mercenary in a sense but yeah i'd say with my line of work and then my history and just being on many battlefields there's a lot of there's a big gray area on who's right and who's wrong as of this instant now that i know this some of the secrets of the guild there's some things that i need to get out of either the other dwarves or investigate in this area because if their experiments are what I'm assuming they would be, then I might have to take my personal vendetta against the guild itself if it has anything to do with some of the things that I wish didn't happen in the past. Why don't you tell me about those things? We don't really have a common ground, so I have to clarify something is that in this situation, if there's Fable Gloom, I need to know if I had to fight both of you or if, or if you're going to also help in the situation against Fable Gloom. If it makes you more comfortable, and Alice will take out one of his like big cigars and whatnot. The most I can give you, for the most part, because even my companions don't really know, during my time before being Atlas, was that where I was on a war zone, and um, one of my comrades in this, with me that I've known for a long time, we were were basically in the in the battle. Things weren't going too horribly, but obviously it's a war zone, so you can't really, I mean, can't really say everything was going too well, but then. During the battle, there was a a ship that dropped off some type of monster or monstrosity that just annihilated everything in sight, including myself. That's why I'm kind of what I am now, as you can see. I'm not fully human, but I'm also not fully machine. But 
basically my personal vendetta is to find kill whoever whoever basically created that mutation in that battle my best friend had been torn apart but i won't sugarcoat it yes i use basically anyone that's around me in a sense for personal gain but honestly in this world i can't really say that's a bad thing well i'll keep that in mind and now i'm gonna try and hack the keypad make a interfacing check with advantage so 18 the port opens up and immediately rows of lights turn on just white sterile lights and you guys are able to peer down in you give it a listen you don't hear anything your hacking roll was high enough that you disarmed any of the alarms on the ship immediately and you feel good enough about entering if you wish right now you are looking down into the cockpit of the ship it is empty and it carries very little in the way of personal effects you remind me of my other companion clive or also ray so i'd recommend that i go in first if you even decide to follow me I invite you to go in first. Yeah, I also just jump into it, have his weapon ready. You wait, you look around. It's a normal cockpit, but you can see that where there are like modifications, there are like some, but it's all purely for the performance of the ship. There's nothing added to make it more comfortable. You can see that there is a hallway that leads back, as this is more of a long ship than a wide. And down that hallway, you can see that there are a series of other doors that are closed. All of it metallic. There is grating beneath your feet. You move a little bit so that Jorstat can follow you down. Why don't you go ahead and make a perception roll while you're in there? It's my day to roll bad. Four plus two, so six. Nothing really to see. Jorstat, as you get in there behind him... Will you please roll a perception roll? 14. You do see that there are, like, a few elements that seem to be, like, more recently used. For example, there is a open deodorant bottle to the side. You can see that one of the doors far back, when you immediately thought, you first thought it was closed, but your dark vision being a bit better than Atlas's. You can see it's partially open, and you can see the glow of a lava lamp in there, and you can also see a bed that's been ruffled. So it would seem that definitely this ship looks like it's been used maybe recently. Someone's been in and out based on things that you see. As you guys take a tentative step towards the hallway, you can see at the far end, the tail of the ship, you can see the ladder that extends down into the ship and leads up into the safe house, the port by with which they attached this starship. And the last thing that you notice with your perception roll is you see, find the ship's name, and it's called the Destiny. Okay. Let, let's let's blow it up. Let's blow, let, let let let's start burning it up, and then someone whose ship it will be. We'll have, we'll, we'll have to come running back. We need to know whose ship this is. This, this name is suspicious. 
Let's set some stuff on fire. Uh, Alice will look over to Joystick, and uh, he'll kind of just look at him dumbfounded, but, I mean, I'm just going to assume then we have a temporary alliance in this. I don't know if I like the way you see the world, is how I'd put it, but you're an honest enough guy. Alright, so we're on the same boat. Alice will, yeah. uh, slam his G basically into the control panel and just like stab it through the center console. I'm gonna find somewhere to ambush the person when they come. Okay. Atlas, as you are going about destroying things, go ahead and roll a performance roll. Kidding, it's bad. Uh, nine? You guys wreck calamity amongst the destiny. Destroying things, sending things flying. There are like random little artifacts that you don't recognize that look like they contain words, but of a language you've never seen. That itself you kind of gets tossed to the side as you go about. And it's as you are starting to make your way to the various rooms and, and breaking things and lighting it on fire, that a voice kind of sparks through the ship. Cease in what you're doing. There from the speaker comes a projection. And the projection is just a huge head. It is a helmed figure. The helmed figure almost, it looks like it's almost like the back of a scarab beetle but there's like a long slit that runs in a triangle formation. The top of the T is where you would assume they look out of, and then the bottom kind of runs down the center. And in that way, it almost reminds you of like an archaic knight's helmet, but there is like a pulsating blue glow coming from there. And then off the sides of the helm are two wicked ebony black horns. Halt. I have your companions. Leave the ship be, and we can talk of a trade. That is when you see the that head kind of move back, and you see raised face thrown into the hologram, her hair just held by the top by one massively thick gauntleted hand. You can take the ladder up into the back of the safe house. If I do not see you in the next four minutes, I will start killing the dwarves and your friend every minute and then it crackles off uh. well shit Alice will start exiting the ship and then call out towards joystick and then say the plans have changed they have my companion so you can come or not but there's one thing that I don't do in a anyone that I consider my comrade I'll put my life before theirs and I'm just, Alice is marching up. Jorstrak is in the ship dumbfounded because this guy just told me that he uses people whenever <laughs> it's convenient for him. And he thought we were comrades, and so now Jorstrak is just, is really just, like, confused. Like, what, this guy just ran out. Like, I want to be like, wait, what? Are, are, you, are 
you sit and he just seems to have run away pretty quickly. But I, I'm in I, I'm in no rush to help any of them at all. Atlas, then we jump to you as Jorstax kind of left behind, just confused at all of this as you start making your way up this ladder and into the safe house. This ladder goes up for a good 15 feet, and then there is the top hisses open with a and it releases you into a chamber. It takes you moments for your eyes to adjust to the chamber because there's no lights in here of the conventional sort, but there's flames coming from two great sconces on either side of the walls. In the what would be the southerly side of the room, there are two pillars that have these sconces with the flames. Your mouth kind of falls open as you look at this room that is completely separate. It must have taken some amount of painstaking work to make this. It is, from what you can tell, hand-carved from stone in the old fashion that the dwarves would. You see walls that look like those that belong to a temple. The walls themselves are painted bone white. The floors are tiled, and it is embossed with a giant symbol of a dragon eating its own tail. The west wall shows a painted mural of a black dragon overlooking a broken tower in a swamp. And then the easternly wall shows a dragon of multiple heads devouring everything and anything in sight. Behind you, where you've crawled up, there is a large black stone altar that dominates the north end of it. Atop of it, at first what you thought was a giant lizard skull, you realize from the paintings and the depictions back at the Etrilus base you see a large dragon skull that rests on top of a a horde of coins piled on top of this altar. You see two other dragonborn skulls to the sides mounted next to it. You see that this altar contains a horde of old copper, old silver, gold, jewels, and most importantly to you, Atlas, you see that that wall also holds a mural of a golden egg and beneath it a satin pillow that looks like it's supposed to hold something but there is nothing there and then your attention's taken immediately to the rest of the room you see the dwarves bound on the southerly side they are clamped with these binders that are attached by like these laser implements both on the hands and the feet, each of the dwarves. There's only one who is not bound, and he stands next to a figure, the same one that you saw from before, with the black helmet. Now that you can see the whole body of this person, you see that their armor is exactly the same. It is almost this living carapace of black and blue, this green-grayish mantle of cloaks kind of run off of his back and you can see that this cloak when it catches the light just so blends in like a chameleon 
to the rest of the walls behind him. You can see in one hand, he carries what looks like a laser sword that goes out about six feet. In the other hand, there is a large shield that has a pink glowing energy that runs in between like the metal framework. Below him, Ray is knocked unconscious, her arms and her feet been bound. Then you see the dwarf that originally went back there, Steve Tristbeard, is begging for his life. And he goes, Come on, man. I, I, I gave you everything you needed. I told you every move. I told you about those two. And your reward was freedom. And with that, he cuts the dwarf down mid-plea and turns his attention to you. Atlas Kashin, this is none of your concern. You can have your comrade back, but the dwarves are mine. Is Ray, like, being pretty badly, or just... No, it, it just looks like a nice, good, clean hit to the back of the head. Do you work for the guild? Is that who you're working for now? I work for none other but myself. I'm curious, mercenary to mercenary, what is what is it that you're trying to get from this place or temple? Go ahead and roll a uh, persuasion roll to see if you can get him to open up. No. Eight. They seek to make things move in a way that will put the universe at odds with life. So is that... That's your goal, is to... Alright, I'm sorry, uh... Do you actually have a name, or is it... Is you just go by Fabled Gloom? That is what mortals call me. Mortals. My name is Fabrajum. Okay. The fact that he's called Fable Gloom is just a mispronunciation of his name. Alright, well, I can see why people call you Fabled Gloom. So, I am curious, though. You said mortals. What exactly would you consider yourself? Something beyond this plane. You have your decision to make, Atlas. We could leave this without bloodshed. And then, with that, we pop over to Jorstak. Jorstak, it's been a few minutes since Atlas went up. You know, you you kind of catch the shock a little bit at what just happened. What do you want to do? I've been pretty excited this whole time is keep wrecking the ship. See what happens. So I've been going around and I've been still destroying stuff in the ship. As you're wrecking the ship, that means you're just going through things methodically, I think, as you're doing that, too. So go ahead and roll an investigation roll. Five. Do you want to use your inspiration to re-roll that? <laughs> that seems like an implied. Like, maybe you should just use your inspiration to re-roll <laughs> that. Alright, sure. Fourteen. As you're going through destroying things, it's by about the third room. And in that room, it seems to be more of, like, everything related to all the data and information he's gathered on various targets. And it's, you know, you destroy a few things before you realize that. And you find a section related fully to the guild that draws your attention. You kind of pull that open and you start going through the information. But one of the things that catches your attention specifically is there's a, a section all about your home world. And you, you, you realize that this Fable Gloom person 
has gathered a very in-depth account of not only what you and your family went through, but what appears to be tortured accounts of what he's gotten out of various members of the guild in regards to it. And you start to suddenly find yourself enthralled with the information that you came to seek from the dwarves found here in Fable Gloom's own private collection. Your jaw drops. Dang. As you start to see detailed explanations or theories of the transformations and changes that developing dragons on your planet wrought upon the people. And you start to put together that from what Ostrad told you and what you're seeing here, that there seems to be some, those who are forced or rather indebted to work on the dragons uh, for the guild, there seem to be lingering effects from the dragons, from the eggs themselves as they were growing that affected those within the vicinity. And you look at your own body and the changes that have happened and you realize that you were not able to escape that. Fable Gloom activates this laser sword that goes out. It's a deep yellow. The shield on the side starts to crackle with energy. And you see from the pauldrons on either side, the same pauldrons that hold this cloak, you see these four bots kind of start to whir off of them. They almost look like drones. And they start to circle around the room and their eyes kind of start to like triangulate on you. Fable Gloom repeats his question. What will your choice be? Alice will pull his G off his back and get into like a fighter's position in a sense. He won't say anything, he'll just kind of wait for Fable Gloom's reaction. Alright, and with that, that's where we're going to close out the episode, guys. Thank you for joining us. And again, Jordan, thanks for jumping in. We can't wait to have you back for one more episode to finally get some closure for Jorstack and see if there is an epic showdown to come between the fabled bounty hunter and those of Squad Luma and their new, interesting friend who is rightfully skeptical. Um, Again, guys, Jordan Mann, he is a professional athlete. Uh, Please go check him out. You can go, Jordan, where where can people find you again? Jamango underscore Runtamed on Instagram. Uh, and that's the best place. Jamango yeah. Runtamed. Jor- Jordan Gershon, man, look me up. Uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, showing off my cosplay and also a lot of fun, exciting running stuff. Cool. And so thank you guys. And uh, as we say, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.